0: Well, good morning. I wanted to ask, uh, who else, like our family, um, was glued to the TV watching the CrossFit games uh, last week? Martha, I was counting on you. (laughs) Well, okay, (laughs) right, that's true. Well, for, uh, I guess, everybody, I'll have to explain what CrossFit is. Um, So CrossFit is a form of high-intensity interval training, and it started back in 2000 by a guy by the name of David Glassman, who thought of this new way to, to train, to exercise, to become the fittest version of yourself. In 2007, uh, they hosted the very first CrossFit Games, which was a competition that brought super fit people together uh, to California to compete against one another by being put through a bunch of super strenuous tests of fitness. Um, In the CrossFit Games, you'll see things like gymnastics, you'll see Olympic lifting, you'll see uh, bike riding, uh, swimming, all of these things to test who the fittest person on earth was. And fast forward from 2007 when that started all the way to this last year, what our family was watching, in 2023, 322,000 people signed up for what was called the CrossFit Open. So you or I, or in this case Garrett, our son, was able to compete against everybody in the world to see who the fittest person on earth was or is. So it starts with that 322,000 people who do a a few uh, different tests of fitness. That gets whittled down to uh, the quarterfinals and then the semifinals all the way to the top 40 fittest men and 40 fittest women who competed last week in Madison, Wisconsin. They go through a long week, about four days of competition, where they they do uh, ten different exercises. And we saw bike riding. We saw swimming. Actually, we didn't see swimming this year, oddly enough, Emily pointed out. But Olympic lifting, moving heavy objects really quickly. And we crowned two of the fittest people on earth, both men and women, on Sunday. I know a lot of you are thinking, well, that's awfully pretentious to self-declare who the fittest people on earth are. But that's what CrossFit is. Um, I remember uh, in 2014, our family was introduced to CrossFit when I I showed up to a a gym, which they don't even call them gyms, they're like that, they call them boxes, because you can do CrossFit workouts in a garage, in a warehouse, it doesn't matter, just have a few heavy things to to throw around, and that's a CrossFit workout. But I showed up to a a box or a gym uh, back in 2014, and I remember all of uh, the coaches who would train uh, me said, man, Cole, you've really got to work on your flexibility. Um, <laughs> Mom, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, you've really got to work on your flexibility. There's certain movements, there's certain lifts that you—it requires pretty substantial flexibility to complete these things. And I heard that advice, you know, okay, yeah, I work on my mobility. They gave me even uh, uh, stretches to do and like, cool, oh, do these things. Oh, okay, sure. I didn't do them. You know, I imagine you guys are looking at me and realizing, boy, he doesn't look like he does high-intensity interval training. Well, <laughs> you would be right, because I didn't commit to this process of, of growing in my flexibility, and I plateaued, I didn't have any more fun, and I quit. I know that um, in our spiritual journey, there's examples of, of things that we all know would be really, really beneficial to do. Um, and yet, we'll, still, we, we sometimes struggle with those things. Um, a great example in my life is I've always desired to have a better prayer life. Maybe some of you are the same way, but I, I know that it's an exercise, it's something that I could do to communicate with God, to hear from God's heart in prayer, that, man, I just wish I did a better job of that. We have, Tremendous prayer warriors uh, in this building. And I, I've benefited from you all uh, in many different ways. You know, there's, there's been times in my life where I've asked for a specific prayer for things, and I'll have people follow up with me months later. Hey, whatever happened in that situation? How are you doing with, with this or that? And I'm really grateful for you. There's also probably some in here who wish, man, I, I, I wish I exercised the practice of prayer more, uh, because you know the benefits um, that could come with that. You know, we... Many of us acknowledge that Jesus is certainly our hope, but you know, he is also our example. Um, as a church, we've been going through a study uh, called Encountering Jesus. We've been doing it for about two years off and on, um, but we're, we're coming to a place in the story. Um, and we're going to jump into Luke 22, if you want to start opening that. Uh, there you can. We're coming to a place in the story where Jesus just finished having the Last Supper he just told Peter that he was going to deny him before the rooster crowed. He told Judas, like, hey, you're going to betray me. Go do what you're here to do. And Jesus is now walking uh, towards, uh, towards his death, his death, his gru- uh, gruesome death on a cross. And we're going to pick up in, in Luke uh, chapter 22. But uh, before I do that, I just want to pray, <laughs> speaking of prayer. I, I just want to lift up this time to the Lord. Dear Lord, we we just thank you, Lord. We can't wait for that day that we just sang about, but we're still here, Lord, and we're here, and we want to honor you and glorify you in in everything that we do. But Lord, I just pray as we open up your word, as we see Jesus' example in in different ways, that that would convict us personally, that that would help us change um, our ways, change our habits, Lord, make us more like your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you haven't already, uh, open up to Luke uh, chapter 22. Uh, we're going to be jumping in uh, in verse 39. And it says this. And he came out and went, and as was custom, or, as was custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, "Pray that you may not enter into temptation." And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And, as, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So this, uh, this story uh, starts... In the Mount of Olives, or it it places Jesus in the Mount of Olives, and there's something unique about that. You know, it's interesting that Luke didn't say specifically the Garden of Gethsemane, but we know that from other accounts um, in other Gospels that that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I uh, don't—I learned this uh, in the last week, and maybe you already knew this, but in, in an olive, the most precious the most valuable thing in an olive is actually the olive oil. And the way olive oil is um, extracted, it is crushed. The seed is crushed and oil comes out. And that is one of the most valuable resources of an olive. Gethsemane, the garden, literally means uh, crush out. uh, It's it's this idea of um, that's where they would crush the olive seed uh, to create olive oil you know i can't help but think of the passage that says he um that that talks about jesus sorry let me find it here really quickly because i want to make sure i get it right that he was pierced for our transgressions, speaking of jesus and he was crushed for our iniquities I love this imagery of where Jesus was going to be when he had this um, this prayer to his father in not only the Mount of Olives, but in the Garden of Gethsemane. Another uh, thing I just wanted to point out is we see in this passage that the disciples are still with Jesus. So you you might know that Jesus is, is nearing the end of his days. He is, he's going to die on the cross for you and for me. And I, if I were in that um, instance, if I knew my death was... Hours away, I probably wouldn't be super concerned about being with people or discipling people, but we see Jesus as our example in that he was discipling his disciples until the very last hour. Um, we, we also f- uh, find that the, there were three disciples with Jesus in this moment. It was Peter, James, and John. But I I was just so encouraged uh, with just that thought that, you know, Jesus didn't stop the work that he was sent to do, Um, you know, even in those last hours. um, He continued to disciple people. Luke, um, when he refers to where Jesus was, uh, again in verse uh, 40, he, he doesn't even say the name. He says, the place. I find that a little odd. Um, You know, in other Gospels, it talks about the Garden of Gethsemane, but Luke just refers to it as the place. I mean, you know, we can imagine that this um, writing probably took place give or take 50 years after Jesus' death. And I imagine, um, well, I know that this place had extreme significance, not only because of this prayer that he was preaching, but also this is in the same area where Jesus was resurrected uh, to be with his father. And this, this place had major significance. I, uh, I picture Luke, um, who is was, was kind of known as Luke, an, an evangelist. He had probably told this story so many times. This had become so normal for him to 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 share this gospel story to people that when he referred to it it was it was like i don't know if you're like me but in my job i have these phrases that i say all the time and i assume people know what i'm talking about for example root pruning dan and rebecca probably know what that is but maybe nobody else in this room knows what root pruning is but i probably say root pruning 50 times a week and I often think, like, of course the people I'm talking to know, that, know what I know what I'm talking about. But no, I have to explain that uh, to, to people over and over again because we have these things that we just speak out so um, often, so normally, and, and to others it might, it might be foreign. But I, I can picture Luke the evangelist had told this story so many times to so many people because it had changed his life that he didn't even need to name the place. He, he assumed, of course, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, which I, I found personally convicted, am, personally convicting. Am I sharing the gospel so often that it becomes normal that it's, it's the thing that I say fifty times a week? Um, that is that was really challenging to me. So Luke uh, uh, talks about the place in verse forty, and then in the second half of that, um, he he tells his disciples, the three guys with him, he, he a very simple instruction. He tells them pray that you may not enter into temptation. You know, that's, that's simple. That's kind of like, Cole, you need to stretch more. We're going to check back in to see, um, to see how that went for the disciples. Um, but uh, very simple, very simple. Pray so that you won't enter into temptation uh in verse 41 we see a few things so one we see that jesus withdrew so it, he, it says that he withdrew about a stone's throw away and for me that's probably like the front row i could probably throw a stone uh, maybe for others in this building it's the parking lot of the street so let's split the difference let's say he withdrew about to the foyer but jesus went away he was feeling the burden of what he was about to do he withdrew so we, we see he withdrew we also see something interesting he knelt down the normal posture for prayer in this culture was to stand and declare Jesus knelt down and then the third thing we see is he prayed you know Jesus is our example and in a time of, of, of tension of burden he prayed to God Let's read what he prayed. In verse 42, if you want to look there, it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, who is he speaking to? It says, Father, Father God, the same one that you and I have the opportunity to pray to. And he also acknowledges, if you're willing, God, can you remove this cup from me? So Jesus uh, Jesus knew the plan. He knew he was there to live on this earth um, and then ultimately die on the cross for all of our sins. And he's asking God, is there any other way? And I, I, um, I just want to take a second to remind all of us what jesus did so you know god loves you loves me so much he created us and he wanted a relationship with us you know we uh, when we came into this earth our sin we sin and that separates us from god and you know god wanted to make that right so we know that that god sent his son jesus to live on this earth to live a perfect spotless life so that he could be that sacrifice for you and for me ultimately jesus did die on the cross he drank the cup that was meant for you and for me he, he did that in our place and i'm just so thankful for that and that's become true in my life i've accepted um that good news I've, I've i've thanked jesus for what he's done and i i would ask you if you haven't done that i'd love to talk to you afterwards um and and share more um or if you have questions happy to discuss that but jesus was feeling that burden He was feeling the burden of drinking that cup that was meant for you and for me. And he was just asking God, is there any other way? But what I love is is Jesus was totally fine with God's um, will, with God's plan in this. Because he said, God, I I would love it if there was another way to do this. But not my will, but yours, Father, be done. Jesus is is our example. And he submitted to God. Uh, in prayer to, to God's will in prayer, and then we see and uh, we see in verse forty three that angels appeared um, from heaven, so from God and strengthened jesus you know there's there's two times in Jesus' ministry where angels appeared to him there, there angels were there at his birth and also at his resurrection, but theres two times during his ministry that angels appeared um, to him there is this time in the garden God sent an angel from heaven to strengthen him but the other um, is found in Matthew 4 some of you might remember the temptation in the wilderness where where Satan came to Jesus and tempted him in Matthew chapter 4 verse 11 it says after these these temptations it says then the devil left him and behold angels came and uh, angels came and were ministering to Jesus isn't that beautiful we see God provide Jesus with angels in two of the most critical times of his ministry, where maybe he was being tempted the most he ever would, and God used angels in his case to strengthen him, to encourage him. Um, I, uh, I can't say specifically that I've ever had an encounter with an angel, but I know for a fact that God has used people in my life to strengthen me in times of, of super uh, super major difficulties. Um, many of you know that uh, five years ago, I finally admitted to, um, to Nicole that I w- had become dependent on alcohol. Those next handful of days were some of the darkest um, times I've ever had. Uh, substance abuse um, and suicide go hand in hand in a, in a lot of cases, and, and I, I never got quite that far, but boy, I didn't see any way to get out of the pit that I had dug myself into. And I remember specific interactions. You know, Nicole encouraged me to reach out to, to uh, specific people. And, and through those conversations, God provided a person to lift me up, to encourage me, to, to cast my gaze upward. Because at the time, I, I thought it was all over. Um, and that's, that's been my experience um, with God supporting me through something quite difficult. And I'm sure you all can recognize areas where God sent a person to come and to encourage you. You know, I'm so thankful that, um, that I had people um, in my life who I could go to. You know, one of them at the time was my life group leader, who also happened to be my junior high youth leader and high school youth leader. Um, but I'm just so thankful that there are relationships available to me that even in my darkest, darkest time... Um, They could encourage me, they could lift me up, and they could love me and show grace to me. All of these things that I just thought I didn't deserve. Um, But God uses people, and in this case, God used angels uh, to encourage and strengthen his son. The story goes on in verse 44 where it says, And being in agony... He, Jesus, prayed more earnestly. So we see Jesus, you know, saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But boy, is there any other way? And, and you could sense this sort of temptation of, man, I, there, there might be a, another way to do this. So Jesus prays more earnestly. And he prays so aggressively, so vigorously, so earnestly that his sweat became like great drops of blood. Jesus started to have a physical reaction um, to uh, to the, the weight that he was encountering, of what he was about to do for both you and for me. Um, and I, I I try to think of what are the most uh, stressful situations I've been in. Multiply that by like a hundred. And that's what Jesus was feeling, the, the weight of the whole earth on his shoulders. Um, and, it, and he, you know, also an interesting thing, Luke was known as a physician, so he... He knew the physical reaction that a body could have to where your sweat becomes like blood. That's how seriously Jesus takes temptation and sin. He prays so earnestly that his body has a physical reaction that it came out as drops of blood. We don't know how much time passed, but we know some time had passed. Because in verse 45 it says, And he rose. You know, again, picture Jesus being knelt down, pleading to God, having angels come and, and comfort him and give him strength. And then he rose. He had victory. He had um, victory over this temptation and sin. And he, he rose and said, all right, God, this is your will. Let's go do it. And I just think that is such a beautiful picture that after this passionate plea towards his father, this, this heart-to-heart, if you will, all of the things that could have been happening angelically in this moment, that finally Jesus rises up and said, all right, let's do this. So Jesus rose. Unfortunately, he came back to the disciples, uh, and he found them. So remember what his, his encouragement was to his disciples. Pray so that you won't enter into temptation. But now Jesus comes back uh, from the foyer back to the podium and says, and he finds them sleeping. And Luke says specifically, sleeping for sorrow. Now you can imagine um, James, John, and Peter. So their life had been identified with Jesus for the last few years. They had been serving arm in arm with Jesus. They had been... uh, they had been being discipled by jesus they uh, realized and they knew that 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 time was was coming to an end and you know jesus uh peter specifically jesus had literally just told him hey you're going to deny me three times and then jesus said hey pray so that you don't fall in that temptation that i just told you about and then G- and then peter falls asleep he gives up and i it's easy, I do this a lot, where I'm like, man, what a knucklehead. How could he do that? Um, he, he was literally just told uh, to, to stay alert, to pray so that you don't enter temptation. He saw Jesus exa- example of praying, sweating, blood, uh, praying that he wouldn't enter into temptation. And he fell asleep? Man, unfortunately, I've found that to be true in my life as well. But he comes back and he sees them sleeping for sorrow, which, which I think they knew that, boy, their life was about uh, to change in a big way. And then Jesus uh, goes on to say, why are you sleeping? Didn't I just tell you to, to pray so that you might not enter in temptation? Why are you sleeping? And then I love this, and this is why I think it's, it must be important because Jesus said it two different times. He tells his disciples, rise and pray that you might not enter into temptation. They didn't pray. They were tempted, and they, they gave in to that temptation. Aren't you so glad Jesus prayed? He was tempted, and he didn't give in to that temptation. Jesus is our example there's, a, there's three different things, and you might have caught them as, as we were going through this, but I've, there's three different ways that Jesus was an example to me um, out of this story. And the first one was his commitment to discipleship. Um, we as a church, you hear us talk a lot about um, discipleship. You know, it's it's a it's part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples. And we didn't just make that up. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us to do that in Matthew 28. We see that. But also, Jesus is our example. He committed his life in ministry to discipling people, and and he wants us to do that as well. So I would encourage you if if you're in a discipleship relationship, you know, praise the Lord. That that's awesome. If you're not, we have a generation of of People of kids who are who are growing up in a in a counter in a culture that is now um, anti God, they need you. We need you. Um, find somebody. Pour your life into them. Uh, sh- you know, r- read through Scripture together. Just be discipling each other. So I would encourage you, help this next generation out. Help each other out because there's also the benefit. It, no matter how spiritually mature you are, you still need discipleship. You still need people pouring into your life. So always be bringing somebody along and then um, be discipled by, by somebody else. But Jesus uh, is our example in that he committed to discipleship. You know, another way that Jesus was our example is he relied on God through prayer to resist temptation. This was really convicting to me. I, I, there's been so many issues in my life that I struggle with over and over and over again. And I just, I, I realized I haven't, like Jesus, hated that sin so much or that temptation so much that I've prayed earnestly that it would be removed from me. Maybe you're like me in that, in that way, but Jesus is such a great example to me in that he prayed so earnestly, he took it so seriously that he wouldn't enter into temptation. And, and the Bible says, you know, Jesus was tempted in every way and he was without sin. None of us, none of us can say that. But I know we all can follow Jesus' example and pray so that we won't enter into temptation. Then the the third and and final thing, at least this morning, you could probably find a bunch of other ways Jesus was an example to you from this story. But one that stood out to me is is Jesus is willing to submit to God's will. You know, Jesus, uh, when he was praying, asked, boy, is there any other way? But he ultimately was willing to submit to God's will. And we could think of all sorts of examples of what that, that might look uh, like in, in each of our lives. But one one that kind of comes to mind in in my life specifically, I remember, uh, you know, a little over a year ago, uh, just driving to work and, and really being burdened, like feeling a burden for our Sunday school-aged kids. And, you know... <laughs> If you know me, that's like so far outside of like my comfort zone, kind of like preaching, oddly enough. That is so far out of out of my comfort zone. But I just was driving. I was like, man, Lord, I really feel like you're putting this on my heart to, to help out in the Sunday school area. You know, God's will is for us to serve each other, of course. But but I felt like God was specifically saying, man, Cole, you, sh- you should really consider um, helping out in Sunday school. So I tried to ignore it. I, I drove to work, but it kept kind of haunting me throughout the morning. And finally I texted Nicole and I said, I know this is crazy, this is totally outside of like what we would normally do, but what do you think of um, investing and serving in our Sunday school area? And unfortunately, she said, oh, yeah, that sounds great. So, so, uh, so I thought, okay, yeah, maybe this is God's will that we, we help out in that area. And I'm so thankful um, that, that he did prompt us in that way. It's been a tremendous blessing to me personally um, and to our family. We've had the opportunity to serve together as a family in ministry, which is just, just the, the best thing ever. But you know what? I know ministry is hard. Um, I know it can be discouraging. It takes time. Serving people takes time. But you know what? It's totally worth it. Yeah, I was, I was uh, really impacted by um, Tim and Leslie Betcher last week. A lot of us got to hear their story, and some of you know this, but they served in overseas mini- uh, missions for decades. They moved back to the United States, and it would be easy for um, Tim and Leslie to be like, all right, we did our service. We, we were overseas, for goodness sakes. We were full-time missionaries. What more do you want from us, God? But Leslie took a trip to Africa. She felt God's prompting, God's calling uh, to help out uh, the, the people in Africa in a very practical way. And they didn't say, no, no, that, that can't be God's will because we already did all that. They said, boy, we see a need. We're going to fill it. And they started this incredible ministry that is having impact on individuals' lives. That If Leslie just turned that off and if she got home and Tim was like, yeah, that's a waste of time, that would have never happened. So let's listen to God's prompting Westside. If you feel that he is, he's moving you towards some sort of service, some sort of ministry, let's answer that call. That would be my encouragement um, to each of us as, as we go forward. Let, let's, let's follow Jesus' example of submitting to God's will. I'm going to finish by reading a passage in Ephesians. Um, If you want to turn there, um, you're welcome to. But it's Ephesians chapter 6. Many of you uh, may already know this, but I just thought it was so fitting for us. It's talking about putting on that full armor of God. You know, we as a church, you know, we um, we're going to be tempted in so many different ways, and we need that that armor. And there's a couple things in here that were just incredibly encouraging to me uh, personally. So I'm going to start reading in, in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, and it says that, yeah, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord, or, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with, with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end. Keep alert. Stay awake, Westside. Keep alert. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And we're... Uh, we're going to sing a, a song now called, Lord, I Need You. <laughs> I listened to that on the way in uh, two, different, two times as loud as I possibly could because I, I felt that this morning. I, I need you. But there's a, there's a bridge in that song that says, Teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you, Jesus You are my hope and stay. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you so much uh, for this morning. We want to thank you for the word of God, Lord. And we want to thank you for Jesus' example. Um, Lord, I thank you that he wasn't tempted to sin in the garden. Lord, I thank you that he he prayed so earnestly. Um, Lord, I thank you for the angels that you sent to him in that moment uh, to give him strength. Lord, I thank you that he was willing to submit to your will. Um, Lord, I just thank you so much for Jesus' example. And Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, make a change in our life, Lord. Um, I don't know where everybody's prayer life is at, but Lord, I would just pray that you would encourage us to do it more. Lord, for some of us that might be committing to five minutes of quietness, of an opportunity just to communicate with you in heaven. Lord, I pray that we would do that, that we would feel prompted to do that. Um, But Lord, we love you so much, and we can't believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.